Well, guys, we are in the midst of a series on worship, and as I've been telling you each week, uh, right now we are going through different encounters of worship uh, that different people have had with Jesus. And so far we've talked about the wise men's encounter with Jesus. Last week we talked about Peter when he caught that big miraculous load of fish, his encounter with Jesus. And this week we're going to talk about a blind man's encounter with Jesus. So if you have your Bible, I want you to turn to John chapter 9. That's where we're going to be looking at the story today. John chapter 9. And as you do that, I'm going to kind of set the stage for the story. And to do that, I'm going to have to back up to kind of explain what's happening before this story actually plays, uh, takes place. Because I think if we do that, it makes this story even more powerful. All right, here is what has just happened. Jesus has been in a conversation with the Pharisees. And the Pharisees are the religious authorities of his day. They are the people who've been to seminary. They know all the answers to the Bible. They know it inside and out. And he's been having this conversation with them. And this conversation has gotten getting quite heated. It's getting, you know, kind of dicey here. And they're going back and forth. And Jesus is having some amazing answers. And he's coming back with incredible debates. And, and he's firing them up. And not only that, he goes back and he says some things to them that are kind of, they sound pretty hard. And he basically says, you know what, you are Satan's children. And he is your father. And that's why you are liars, because you're speaking his language. And, and, and to make a long story short, Jesus riles them up so badly that he, they eventually pick up stones to stone him. They want to kill him. Okay? And that's, how, that's what they want to do. That's how the Jews would kill people back then. They would pick up stones and they would stone them to death. That's a horrible way to go, but that's what they did. And, and notice verse 59. It says, At this they picked up stones to stone him, but Jesus hid himself, slipping away from the temple grounds. Now, I don't know how Jesus did this, but somehow he hid himself and escaped out of the temple to get away from these people. And I don't know, Jesus, uh, I'm sure he used every trick in the book to be able to do this. I'm sure he did that. I don't know what I'm seeing out there in the hallway, but somebody is dressed up like a clown or something. Do you see that? Now, obviously Jesus is a little smarter than me because these people on the side are seeing me and I have no place to go. Uh, you guys would just surround me and stone me and I'd be dead. But uh, I'm sure he probably did. It's like, is that a donkey in the temple? And they all turned and he ran for, him, you know, for his life. But regardless, let me just say this. Uh, this is one thing we can really learn from Jesus in the story. If you are in an argument and a person picks up a stone, it's time to get out of there. Okay? Jesus is giving us a great example here. But anyways, Jesus escapes out of the temple, and he's trying to get away from these people. Now, let me ask you this. I want you to think about this. Let's say Jesus gets away from them. What do you think they're going to do? Yeah, they're going to follow him. They're going to try to look for him. It's not like they sit there and go, well, he's gone. Let's go back to playing checkers. You know, forget it. No, they're going to look for him. They're like, Tom, you take 2nd Street. Johnny, you run down Jerusalem Avenue. Hey, Billy, you go and chase him down here in the park, and we're going to get this guy. They're on a mission to catch Jesus. They want to kill him. Well, that's what's going on with Jesus right now as our story begins. Okay, There's a bunch of guys who want to kill him by stoning him. Okay, That's the setting of the story. Now let's read our story. Verse 1. As he went along, he saw a blind man from birth. 
I want to stop there for a second, and I just want us to notice something. I know there's a chapter break, but there's no break in the story. The story is moving right along from last chapter. And Jesus is running away from these people who want to stone him, and it says that as he went along, he saw a blind man. He saw a blind man. You know what that tells me? He was looking. Jesus was looking. Even in the midst of being chased, he was looking around to see who he could help and minister to. And I don't know about you, but I love that. I love that about Jesus. Now notice what it says. As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. This man was blind from birth. He has never seen a thing. He, he, he's, his entire life has been complete darkness. And guys, to, to just grasp a small fraction of this, I, I want you guys to all close your eyes this morning. Okay, close your eyes right now. And I know that as you close your eyes, you're still having light kind of bleed through your eyelids. So I want you to put your hands up and I want you to cover your eyes so that it is completely black. Okay, now on the screen behind me, I want to show you some pictures, but you keep your eyes closed. Look at this first picture. It's absolutely amazing. It's one of the most gorgeous pictures ever. I don't know how in the world this photographer captured this, but it is beautiful. I mean, look at that. And the second picture, this looks like so much fun. I don't know. My wife, my wife would love to be able to do this. This would be amazing. And this third picture, this is like my favorite animal, and uh, I just love this thing. All right, let's fade it off here. You guys can open your eyes. How many of you guys cheated? Yeah, you're like, I just can't help it. i got to look to see what it is. Reality is you can cheat. He couldn't cheat. He was stuck like that his whole life. He couldn't see a thing. And not only could he enjoy the beauty all around him, but the reality is is that this poor guy, it was hard for him to understand what was happening around him too. I'm sure he felt completely left out. For instance, let's just try to get an analogy of that. I want you guys, you two outside, you guys over there, and you guys over there, I want you to close your eyes, okay? And I close them tight, cover them with your hands if you have to. I do not want you to look, okay? Nobody on us, ushers, you stand there and you make sure they don't look. And you guys in the center, you keep your eyes open, okay? I want to show you guys something. Everybody open your eyes. Wasn't that fun? I especially like that second slide. That was, that was awesome to me. But anyway, we got a long sermon, so we got to get going here. Let's keep, let's keep moving. Now, I know you guys are on the side like, what? We just missed it. And some of you may be ticked like, I just missed out on something funny and awesome. And these guys had a blast and I didn't. Well, guess what? That was the life of that blind man all the time life was not easy he missed out on the beauty of God's creation he missed out on what was going on around him he was an outsider he was a loner he was a beggar he was just another discarded piece of humanity 
living a life all by himself in complete and utter darkness. That was his life. But not today. You want to know why? Because Jesus saw him. I love that. I love that it says Jesus saw him. Jesus was looking, and because he was looking, the life of a man born blind is about to be changed forever. Let's keep reading. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Now, we have to pay attention to the details here because otherwise we might miss something important. But notice the disciples asked him, Jesus, who, who sinned here, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Now, what kind of clue does that statement actually tell us? He was born blind, but how, what kind of clue does that tell us about the disciples in regards to this blind man? Okay, I'm looking for something different. I have a lot to learn, that's true. I mean, I'm asking you guys to understand my brain, which that's really tough here, so <laughs> I'm just going to say it to you. Here's the clue. The fact that they know he was born blind means that the disciples must have already known that this man was born blind. I mean, how would they have known that? If he was just a stranger that no one knew, they wouldn't know that he was born blind or that he might have been blind later on in life. But apparently, this blind man was no stranger. In fact, he was probably a well-known fixture on the side of the road. And probably everybody knew about this blind beggar who was blind from birth, who sat under the tree on the corner of 2nd Street and Jerusalem Avenue. Okay, It was that guy. Everybody probably knew his story. It's a little bit like in Colombia when we would go to the town of Villavicencio. You would walk down to certain parts of the, the town and you could walk down the street and you knew you were going to see this certain beggar because that was his spot. You'd go to another street and you'd see another beggar because that was his spot. They had their spots that they lived on. And I'm sure everybody knew about this blind beggar and they knew his story that he was blind from birth. But as they walk up to him, the disciples ask a really weird question. They say, Jesus, can you tell us who sinned here, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? I mean, who, whose fault is it here that this guy has to sit here every day in darkness? His or his parents? Tell us, Jesus. Now, there's a lot I could say about this question. We could spend an entire morning kind of discussing whether this question, where it came from, and why in the world they'd even ask it. But I don't want to focus on that this morning. I want to focus on something deeper. And here's what I want us to see. The disciples and Jesus are walking up on a man whose life was in utter ruin from the day he was born. This guy had never seen the light of day. Never had he seen a sunrise or a sunset. He had never seen the smile on his mother's face. He's never seen his mother's face. He's never seen his father's face. He's never seen the wagging of a dog's tail. He hasn't seen a thing. He has lived in darkness. And everywhere he goes, he has to go slowly and carefully because he might fall and hurt himself. He can't earn a living. He can't take up his father's business. He can't offer anything to the family by way of monetary support. He is alone. He's lonely. He's destitute. He's broken. He's been discarded and ignored and bullied and told that God has rejected him. And his life is basically about coming to this one street every day and hoping that some person might have pity on him and give him money so that he can eat that day. That is his life. And the disciples are walking up to this man, and what do they ask Jesus? Simply put, they ask Jesus, whose fault is, this, is it, this man or his parents, that he has to live like this? That's what they ask Jesus. You know what that tells me? 
that tells me that the disciples didn't see a blind man. They saw an interesting theological discussion. They didn't see a broken, hurting man. They saw a juicy piece of doctrine. They didn't see a lonely, discarded human being. They saw a cool Bible study topic that they'd like to talk about one day. You see, you would think that these disciples would see this broken man who apparently they knew, they knew his story, and they would say, Jesus, can you please come over and heal this guy? His life is in utter shambles. Come over, please heal him. But they didn't. They simply go, whose fault is it? His or his parents? They weren't looking at him. He was simply a theological discussion to them. Well, Jesus isn't about to get into a theological discussion or debate. He simply responds to them like this. He goes, neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happens so that the worker God might be displayed in his life. It's like Jesus is saying, listen, you're, you're missing the point here. You're wanting to blame someone. You're wanting to feel good about yourself that this person is blind because somehow it's his stinking fault or his parents' fault. But that isn't the case. Isn't that interesting? Isn't it funny how we're sometimes like that? Sometimes suffering makes us so uncomfortable that it makes us feel better to be able to blame someone for their situation. If I can blame them for their situation, it makes me feel better about it. We see a homeless guy on the side of the street, and we're like, get a job. If he had a job, he wouldn't be homeless. Yeah, it's his fault. We see people suffering, and we, we want to quickly blame them so we don't feel so bad. But Jesus doesn't go there. No, Jesus knows that this man's life is going to be a trophy of God's grace. The work of God is going to be displayed in this blind man's life, and it's going to be awesome. And here's what I want us to learn from this. You know, guys, we can sit around as Christians, and we can discuss theology, or we can live out God's love. Amen? How do you think the blind man would have felt if Jesus and the disciples would have gathered around him and say, all right, Mr. Blind Man, here's what we're going to do today. We're going to sit down and we're going to discuss and we're going to debate um, the reasons to, to see who's really at fault here. We're going to discuss whether it's your fault or it's your parents' fault that you live in darkness your whole life. We're going to discuss that. And when we go away, you're finally going to have your head wrapped around as to who fault it is. Isn't that awesome? I'm sure the blind man would have been like, that's terrible. I'm blind. All I want is I want to see. It boils down to that simple matter. Guys, here's the deal. Love is always played out in action. And you know, when you're faced with a situation where someone is hurting and wounded and damaged, whatever the case, and the situation seems impossible or hard to figure out, guys, I know that, I know that the temptation to just try to ignore it or, or run from it, I know that it's real. We don't want to be around suffering. And so what we try to do is we try to point out, you know, in that person's life that it's their fault what they're going through. And I don't want to help you because it's your fault anyway. It's easy to do that. It's easy to shrink away from action. But guys, love doesn't do that. Love moves into action. 
It's always played out in action. Whether it's a hug, whether it's a prayer, whether it's a word of encouragement, whether it's a gift, whether it, whatever it is, it does something for them. You name it, it is an action. Well, Jesus is about to move into action. He's not going to discuss theology, talk about sin, all that stuff that goes along with that. No, he is going to show love by moving into action. Let's keep reading. Having said this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and he put it on the man's eyes. Go, he, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. So the man went and washed and came home seen. Uh, I love this part. Jesus spits on the ground. That's nasty. I can't believe Jesus did that, but that's what he did. He spit on the ground, made a little mud, and then he's like, all right, we're going to put this on your eyes. Now, you would think that the blind man would be like kind of like, dude, get away from me. Like think he's probably being bullied or that, you know, somebody's playing tricks on him. Like, hey, let's rub some mud on the blind man's eyes. You know, he might begin to think that because I'm sure he's been bullied before. But apparently not because he, he, he lets Jesus do it. Apparently, at some point, he has heard about this Jesus guy. Jesus must have introduced himself to this blind man because later he, he knows that it's Jesus who does this, this act of healing. And so this blind man lets Jesus do this. And he, he's probably heard the stories of Jesus. He's probably picked up conversations before knowing that Jesus has been doing some pretty amazing things. So he lets Jesus put this nasty mud in his eyes, and then Jesus says, go wash in the pool of Siloam. And tell me, what does the blind man do? He goes and he washes in the pool of Siloam. He doesn't say, Jesus, that's a long way off. I'm blind. He doesn't say, Jesus, that's nasty. What are you doing? Why would you have to do that? No, he goes and he washes in the pool of Siloam. He obeys what Jesus tells him to do. And here's the greatest words ever in the story. And he came home seen. Amen? He came home seen. And I would have loved to have been there when that first happened. Can you imagine as he's washing, suddenly the light begins to enter his eyes and he sees water for the first time. And he looks up and he sees people for the first time. He sees trees, he sees the clouds, he sees the sky. Everything comes alive for the first time in his life. I imagine he was jumping and leaping for joy. Had to have been awesome to see that. Now, because of time, we're not going to be able to spend, you know, go through every verse and kind of tear it apart for the rest of the story. But if you read the rest of the story, you're going to find that this guy's life suddenly gets really complicated. It, it's kind of the craziest thing in the world because when he gets home, his neighbors and his neighborhood, rather than throw this gigantic party, be like, dude, Johnny's back and he can see, instead, they get all freaked out. They're all like, dude. How did you how can you see what's going on here? And they, they're all freaked about it. It gets so bad that they finally decide to haul this guy into the religious authorities. Like, we're going to get to the bottom of this. It's like the guy's in trouble or something. And so that's what they do. They take him to the Pharisees. And the Pharisees ask him, you know, how did this happen? And he replied, well, the man they call Jesus, which probably made the hair on their neck rise up, you know, they want to kill him, made some mud and put it on my eyes. And he told me to go to Siloam and wash, and so I went and I washed, and then I could see. Where is this man? They ask him. Now, why would they ask that question? <laughs> They're looking for him. Yeah. The blind man tells them the story exactly of how it went down. He doesn't add any details. He doesn't take any weight. He just tells it like it is. And I can imagine this blind man just loving telling the story. 
I mean, this is so exciting for him. He's just so excited. And you can't blame him. This is huge. But the Pharisees are like, instead of like, dude, that's awesome, they're like, where is this man? They're, they're looking for They want him dead. And, and it seems like the only person who's excited about this healing is the blind man. Everybody else is all irritated and upset about it. It's crazy. It, it, it's absolutely mind-boggling as to why everybody is so upset about this. Because I don't know about you, third service, which I think I do know about you. If somebody was part of our church service and sud- they've been born blind, their whole life they've been blind, and suddenly during the service they suddenly could see for the first time in their life, what would we do? Yeah, we would shut the service down and we would throw one big gigantic party. I mean, like, somebody go bake some casseroles, let's get some pizza, let's get some soda, let's celebrate because this man can see. But that's not what happens. Instead, they want to get to the bottom of this horrible thing that has happened. So they keep discussing things and trying to figure out what's going on and they're arguing amongst themselves and trying to figure out whether Jesus should have done this on the Sabbath and, and they're trying to see whether this is even legit or not. You know, maybe this guy's lying to us. So they, they, you know, they're, they're going back and forth and they turn to this guy again and they say, what have you to say about him? It was your eyes he, he healed. And the man replied, well, he says, well, I think he's a prophet. That's what I think he is. I think he's a prophet. Now, the Pharisees don't give him the time of day. They, they ask him a question, but they don't listen to his answer. They hate Jesus so much, they don't even want to give him any credit here. And so, rather than give glory to God, they're like, you know what, maybe this is all one big hoax. So they call the parents back and they say, hey, is this your son? And they're like, yeah, he's our son. And they're like, was he born blind? And they're like, yeah, he was born blind. They're like, well, how did this happen? And they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. He's our son, and he was born blind, but we don't really know how all this happened. You're going to have to ask him. The parents distance themselves from their son because they're scared of the authorities. They're scared of what the religious authorities might do. They, these religious authorities could make their life horrible. And so they push it all back on their son. So the Pharisees come back to the blind man again, and a second time they summon the man, and they say, Give glory to God. We know this man is a sinner. And he replied, well, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. And I love that. I love that. Notice how the blind man responds. I don't know if he's a sinner or not, but here's what I do know. I was blind, but now I see. And you know, I think sometimes... We think we have to have all this theology and all this knowledge. We have to know every answer to every question. And if we don't, we're timid to talk to people because we just we want to know it all. And we feel we aren't qualified. We're not good enough. We don't know all the answers. Well, guess what? This blind man didn't know all the answers. But his testimony was powerful. And he goes, whether he's a sinner or not, man, I don't know. But one thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. I don't know the answer to that question, but one thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. Yeah, I don't know the answer to that question either, but here's what I do know. I was blind, but now I see. Did I mention I was blind, and now I see? 
You understand what I'm saying? I, I was blind. I could not see. It was utter darkness for my entire life. But now, now I can see. So yeah, I don't know the answer to this or to that or to this or to that. But the one thing I do know is that I was blind and now that I see. And I don't know what it's going to take for you Pharisees to get this through your thick skulls. But here's the truth. I was blind. And now I see. And it was Jesus who did it for me. I mean, talk about a powerful testimony. And you know, testimonies are like that, aren't they? You, you can't dispute them. There they are, right there in black and white. And they're powerful. And this blind man's testimony is rocking the house. And I love it, and here's where it gets hilarious. They asked him, well, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? And he answered, I've already told you already. And you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? <laughs> I mean, I love it. The Pharisees are like, well, what did he, what did he do to you? How, how did he do that? And the blind man, I'm sure, is like, hello? Testing one, two, three. Is this thing even working? Because I've told you this before. You know, I may have been blind, but you guys are deaf. <laughs> ah, I know what it is. You guys want to become his disciples. That's why you want to hear it again. Well, guys, that's one thing you never do. You never suggest to a Pharisee that he would be a disciple of Jesus because that will tick them off beyond belief. So they, verse 28, they hurled insults at him and said, you know what, you're this fellow's disciple, not us. We're disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses, but as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. They're ticked, and they're hurling insults at this blind man. And you would think, guys, any sane person, you would think that the blind man would start to get intimidated and go, whoa, 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 I just stepped on a nerve there. I'm going to back down. I'm going to back away. But you know what? The blind man doesn't. He turns it up a notch. Look at what he says. He goes, now, that is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly man who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. You know, this man has been able to see, what, for maybe a few hours? And suddenly his life has become incredibly complicated. It's full of turmoil right now. Friends and family have distanced themselves from him. They don't want to be associated with him. And he finds himself in the audience of the religious authorities of his days. The bigwigs. Never had he been with such people in his entire life, lifetime. And suddenly, he's standing there in his midst. And not only that, guys, he's teaching them. The blind beggar has become the teacher. The man who was ignored and cast aside and displaced and bullied and picked on is now standing in front of the uppity-up of the religious society and he's teaching them. And he's saying, guys, use your brains. I mean, it's simple logic here. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly man who does his will. Nobody, and I mean nobody, has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. Isn't that awesome? Well, the Pharisees didn't think it was so awesome. To this they replied, you know what? You were steeped at sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. 
they threw him out. Now you understand, by being thrown out, you're basically being excommunicated from the society. Your life, for all practical purposes, is ruined. This man was given his sight, but now he's an outcast again. No one should be intermingling with him anymore. He's been cast out. And you know, guys, the truth is, some of you know what I'm talking about. Sometimes when we encounter Jesus, we will experience flat-out rejection. That's just the truth of it. That sometimes happens in this world that we live in. And this blind man has been flat-out rejected. He may be able to see, but interestingly enough, his life probably isn't going to get much easier. Everyone is rejecting him. He's lost. In a real sense, it looks like he's probably going to remain a beggar. You know, the beggar he's always been. In a society that's run by these religious authorities, for all practical purposes, his life is ruined. And at least that's what the Pharisees are hoping. But they didn't know Jesus. Now I want you to pay attention to this next verse because it is not only powerful, it's beautiful. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. And when he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Now look at that statement very closely. Look at that verse there. When Jesus heard that they had thrown him out, what did Jesus do? He went looking for him. Jesus went looking for the blind man. He was searching for him. I I love that. He may have been rejected by the world, but he wasn't by Jesus. Jesus was searching for him. Think about that. And Jesus asked him, do you believe in the Son of Man? Do you believe in the Messiah, the Son of God? Do you believe in the promised one that the Old Testament talks about? And and the man answered, he goes, who is he, sir? Tell me so that I may believe in him. And Jesus said, I love this, he goes, you have now seen him. Those are words this blind man has never heard before. You have now seen him. In fact, he's the one speaking to you. And the man said, Lord, I believe. And he what? He worshiped him. An encounter of worship. Now I just want to quickly point out, see the progression here. At the very beginning, the, the people ask who healed him of his blindness, and the blind man answers, well, it's the man they call Jesus. Then the Pharisees come to him later and says, well, who do you think he is? And he goes, well, I think he's a prophet. Then he meets Jesus face to face, and Jesus tells him who he is. And what does the man say? What does he call him? Lord. Supreme in authority. He calls him Lord. He goes from man to prophet to Lord, and he worshiped him. I mean, think about it, guys. He may have been kicked out of the temple of God, but he gets to meet the God of the temple face to face. Can you imagine that worship service? I bet you it was beautiful. I I wish we could have been there to see that. A man who couldn't see his whole life suddenly sees his Lord and his Savior and his Creator face to face. And he puts his trust in him and he worships him. Isn't that awesome? A discarded piece of humanity through the grace of God becomes a child of God's. God's grace just gets dumped all over this man. And it kind of hits me with this 
with this guy here, just when I was thinking about this story, you know, true worshipers understand the grace of God, don't they? True worshipers understand the grace of God in their lives. They understand that God is just pouring His grace out on them. And this guy came to a full understanding of God's power that had been working in him, doing what he could never dream of doing on his own. And it overwhelmed him to the point of worship. And he experienced deeply the grace of God. I'm not sure about you, but when I think about this story, there's a song that comes to mind. A very famous hymn. Probably one of the greatest hymns of all time. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Amazing Grace. I love that hymn. But when I think of this story, the song Amazing Grace comes instantly to mind. Because in that song, it actually says, I was blind, but now I see. But you know what's so interesting about the song Amazing Grace? There's a word in that song that we don't use often in the English language. Can anybody tell me what it is? Wretch. Yeah, we don't use the word wretch in our Bible. I mean, in our English language. Wretch. Wretch. I mean, it sounds ugly. I like spit on you guys when I say wretch. When I say wretch, it shows my gums and my teeth like wretch. It's an ugly word. You, you can sing it. It doesn't even sound good. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch. Wretch, wretch, wretch. No, there is no key you can sing that in that it sounds pretty in. It's wretch. It's W-R-E-T-C-H, wretch. And you want to know what that word means? This is what it means. It means a base, despicable, or vile person. In other words, a wicked, dreadful, revolting, repulsive, disgusting, despicable person. That's what wretch means. Kind of makes the words even sound worse, doesn't it? Wretch. Well, guess what? That was the life of the blind man. He sat on the side of the road begging and living in darkness. He was the scum of the earth, a bottom feeder, rejected, displaced, ignored, repulsive, revolting, disgusting person. That was his life. He was a wretch until he met Jesus. And the grace of God poured all over this man in a life-changing way. God's grace saved this wretch of a man. And you know, we get that, don't we? We get that he was a wretch. Of course he was. But you know, that's not what the song says, does it? It says, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Not him, like me. And we need to see that. Without Jesus, we're all wretches. In fact, let's say that out loud this morning. Let's, let's say through that first line. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Like me. A wicked, vile, despicable, evil me. And you see, that's where we all were before Jesus. And that's where we are without Jesus. We're wretches. 
And let me just say that without Jesus, we will continue to be wretches. We need Jesus. Just like this blind man needed Jesus, we need Jesus. And I don't know where you are this morning, but you may be sitting here feeling like a wretch, feeling like a vile, disgusting, despicable wretch. Well, let me tell you something this morning. Jesus has been looking for you. He's been searching for you. And you need to encounter him this morning. You need to encounter his power. You need to encounter his forgiveness. You need to encounter his love. You need to encounter his grace, his amazing grace that saved a wretch like me. Encounter him this morning. And when you do, like the blind man, worship him. Worship him, amen? Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this story. The story of a, of a man who was just considered worthless. And yet he wasn't worthless to you. While somebody was wanting to kill you, you stopped. And you showed the amount of worth he had to you by healing him. And giving him a new life. By pouring your grace out on him. And God, we know that that story is our story. In all reality, we were the blind, despicable wretches on the side of the road as well until we met you and we needed you. And so God, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your saving grace that saved wretches like us. We couldn't do it without you. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't we stand up, and I'm no singer, but let's, let's try singing Amazing Grace. And let's sing from the bottom of our heart, and let's sing it through twice, and let's just worship God as we do so, okay? I'll try it. I'm going to turn my mic off, though, when I lead you, okay? <laughs> <laughs>